You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. On occasion, I speak to Joanne Bainham from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. She's not in Cape Town at the moment. I won't tell you where she is because that's private, but um, she's certainly not in Cape Town. Joanne, it's, it's sort of central bank week. We've had the ECB today raising rates for the first time in 11 years. Uh, the South African Central Bank, the South African Reserve Bank's Monetary Policy Committee has just announced its raised rates by 75 basis points, which I, I thought was unusual because they're normally quite conservative and everyone had priced in 50 basis points. But nonetheless, on the back of this, I sent out a tweet and it says the following. I've sent my CV to a number of, a number of central banks. I like the idea of working a few days every couple of months, misanalyzing data, taking my lead from TV commentators, being reactive rather than proactive, and generally mucking things up. I'm eminently qualified. That was my tongue-in-cheek tweet. But in a way, there's a certain amount of truth in that. Well, I think when it comes to the ECB, you're 100% on the money. And I can't believe why they might see your tweet and actually come and find you, Lindsay, and ask you to work for them. Ooh, because yeah. they are a complete and utter joke, let's be honest. 11 years to a rate hike when inflation is running anywhere between 7 to 9%, depending on where you're looking. And they've finally got rates to zero, <laughs> okay, with a 50 basis rate hike to zero. <laughs> and then the best thing is, I don't know if you've been watching what's Itali happening to Italian bonds at the moment, but the spreads are widening versus G German bonds. So they've come up with this brilliant plan called the Transmission Protection Instrument. And that's going to try and control the spread damage on Europe. So on the one hand, they're going to raise rates. On the other hand, they can still do some sort of quantitative easing. Oh, come on, it's a farce. So I, I think your tweet is brilliant and i think they should hire you because you're eminently suitable exactly and i'll I'll, t I'll take half of what christine lagarde gets and then of course once i've been uh, one of the uh, top people at the ecb i can go and be the um, prime minister of england or italy where whatever it is like mario draghi did <laughs> and, and then resign <laughs> the resign i mean it's, it's fantastic and be on a villa on a, a greek island like you are oh sh i shouldn't have said that should i but anyway <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. Yes, um, English politics is never boring, and it's particularly interesting at the moment. Uh, who mm. do you think is going to win? I hate to say it, but Liz Truss looks as though she's got the support of the Conservative Party 200,000 members, and they're the ones that count. But um, Rishi Sunak, who I favour because he's an economist, is the one that has the backing of the MPs, etc. So it's very difficult. It looks like Liz Truss, though. I hate to say it because she well, keeps on saying. No, but, but yes, before on. you go on, she says in all her interviews, she says, "I like to hit. The, I'm, I'm going to hit the ground running." And um, then she sent out a tweet that says, "I'm ready to hit the ground," and she didn't put the running thing in, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> I think she's withdrawn that tweet. Or, or, yeah, it, it was very, very funny. Amusing mm. I've watched one or two of her interviews, and you're right. Every single time they interview her, she doesn't actually answer the question. All she just keeps saying, I'm going to hit the ground running. And some of her economic policies are quite terrifying. Uh, John Alters wrote quite a scathing article about her this week in the Bloomberg commentary he writes. Uh, and he basically implied she had absolutely no understanding of economics. So she, if she does have the Conservatives backing... That can't be good news for Sterling, if you, if you ask me. But, you know, time will tell. I mean, 
politicians everywhere are utterly useless. I think if anything that COVID's taught us, they have no idea what they're doing. Um, yeah, so moving on to that, but the Saab, 75 basis points. That's quite big, isn't uh, it? You know it's very unusual because they're normally very conservative and uh, they obviously can yeah, see I'm things forward that we that. can't see. Mm. Except what I will argue in South Africa, there is no demand inflation that I can see. And to raise rates on a consumer that's already paying more for food and more for energy costs, electricity and more for petrol is insane to me. I could understand if we had rampant demand inflation, as they have had in the U.S., because the U.S. had a very strong demand. They've got a market that's basically fully employed. They've got a housing market that's been going up almost every month for the last couple of months. No wonder the Americans are trying to raise rates. But in South Africa, it makes absolutely no sense to me. And as you have mentioned this call quite a few times, I am away from South Africa at the moment. And when you're away, you kind of look at the world differently. And what it's occurred to me is the Americans with their central bank policy are ex actually exporting interest rate hikes to the rest of the world. And I think that's what they're currently doing. I think the rest of the world's playing catch up. I think that's what they're doing. I mean, there's no reason for South Africa to raise rates. Absolutely none at all. It's not going to make any difference to the bottom line of your electricity price or your energy price or your petrol price. All it's going to do is going to kill the economy. And I have no idea why they're doing it. And also the demographics and the economics of the South African population, the South African economy versus the United States or the Eurozone is very, very different. If you raise interest rates by 75 basis points, does that affect the majority of the population? No, it doesn't. Okay, no, it doesn't. But it absolutely raises the cost of capital. And it stops anyone wanting to open a factory because suddenly the cost of interest rates have risen. So, yes, if you're very, very poor, you're not going to pay more for your goods because you haven't probably borrowed money. So mm. that's entirely true. But ultimately, what South Africa needs is growth more than anything else. Now, I'm not saying let inflation run amok in South Africa because even I tweeted this week saying that when you compare South Africa to Argentina, the one thing that sets us apart is we've had a fantastic central bank that's controlled inflation. Yes. But I just sometimes think that we have been too good at controlling inflation. We need some growth as well. And what South Africa desperately, desperately needs is jobs. I mean, you've got so bored of hearing me talk about this, Lindsay, but for the last sort of three, four, even longer years, all I've said to you is we need jobs in South Africa. And yes, we need to control inflation. We can't let it run amok, but it's certainly not doing so at the moment. There's no demand in our economy. No, it's all supply side stuff. Uh, and we know that. And the one thing that really worries me is that if there is a, a run on the rand and the oil price, for various reasons during the winter, uh, goes shooting up, then the rand is incredibly vulnerable. And if the rand is incredibly vulnerable, then that means inflation starts to rise again and, and, and up we go. There are so many different moving parts and we're at the mercy of the international machinations of of people that we we don't even know, Mr. Putin. But, but Lindsay, mm. what I was trying to say though earlier is that with the central bank policy in the states, with them keep raising rates, and the Americans, unlike 08, with the last global financial crisis, and we are in a crisis at the moment of varying sorts because of higher inflation, the Americans desperately now want a higher higher dollar, so they keep raising rates to keep the dollar stronger. But the more they raise the dollar, the more currencies all around the world, and the rand is not alone, keep weakening. So what do central banks do in those economies? They raise rates yep. to try and play catch-up with the Americans. And I think there's a big risk here that everybody tries to play catch-up with the Americans, trying to protect their currencies. Again, SA is not alone. We're going to end up having a very, very tight monetary policy globally, and that's going to be very recessionary for the globe. It's very difficult to understand what the central banks are doing. I've conducted a couple of interviews today. And um, the one thing that, that came across was that 
Okay, we've got 7.4% CPI inflation in South Africa. We've got 9.1% um, in the United States, 9.4% in the UK, and 8.6% in the Eurozone. Uh, but we're coming towards peak inflation. And some people are saying it will come back very, very rapidly because of the base effect to maybe 2, 3, 4% within a year. So then what do people do? Then what do the central bankers do? I'm a, I'll be a single central banker in a year's time, as you know, because of me sending out my CV. <laughs> but you know what I mean, without being facetious. Then they have to start to say, well, okay, we've been through the raising cycle. Now we have to come back to the cutting cycle again. It's very, very difficult for them, I will say that. No, I think it is incredibly difficult, and I wouldn't want their job at the moment. Um, for what it's worth, though, I think people are expecting inflation to be peaking relatively soon, uh, largely on the back of quite a few commodity prices that have come off the boil. Mm. But the fact is, labour has still got quite a lot of pricing power in, in various developed markets. And I'm not convinced the inflation falls back to the 2% level in a big hurry. I think it can go back to sort of 3, 4. It could do that. But I think mm. to, to get back to 2, I think is quite a big ask. So I still think we've got a central bank that's incredibly scared of losing its credibility. The ECB doesn't seem to care, let's be honest. But the, but the uh, US banks are, are worried about their credibility. The Fed is worried about it. And that's why they keep talking a tough game. They can't let inflation expectations run amok. And we know inflation expectations of states are starting to fall again, which is very good news. We see in the housing market, I saw a stat before I started talking to you today, that mortgage demand in America is at a 22-year low. 22-year low for mortgage demand in the States. So we are, with a lag, going to start seeing rental inflation starting to fall in the States. Now, remember, I think rental inflation or owner-equivalent rental, I think they use in the CPI basket, makes up sort of 33% of that basket. So we are going to see it, but unfortunately, it's going to take some time. But I think the halcyon days that we were used to the last 10 years of 2% inflation I think with deglobalization, I don't think that's going to be around for a while. I still think we have higher inflation than we're used to, but that's okay for markets. You know, markets don't mind sort of 3%. It's when they're running at 9 that's the problem. What are you doing at the moment? I mean, here we are, uh, the middle of the Northern Hemisphere summer, generally a quiet period, a volatile period, all sorts of things going on, on the other hand, that makes it, uh, it, makes it more meaningful than maybe in other years. But what are you... Well, how are you positioning yourself given the inflation and interest rate environment that we constantly talk about? Okay, so there's the narrative and then there's valuations. And I think people are incredibly pessimistic at the moment. So from that point of view, I think a bit of nibble buying makes a lot of sense. So for my clients, I've been starting to slowly buy into this market, but very slowly, because I don't think we've reached the bottom yet. Equally, I'll have no idea when we have. I'm not that clever. But all I, all I know is when I look at sentiment indices, I look at moving averages, trying to get down to 50-day moving averages. And I agree with you. I think inflation's peaked and it's probably coming down. Yeah. You know, markets are done a lot. And, and I do think there's probably, on a five-year view, makes sense to start nibbling. But I'm equally not rushing into this market because if you look at prior periods of time when we've gone into recession, markets have peaked at sort of 11, 12 PE ratios in the States, and we're not there yet. So I'm tentatively buying in case I'm wrong and I'm too bearish, but I'm certainly not going in boots and all. So that's what I've been doing for clients, slowly buying. And I've also bought some tech because you know, some of these growth shares have been absolutely smashed. And a very interesting thing I noticed this, this week when I've been reading is that process now is one of the top holdings in some of the value funds I'm looking at. Hmm. So that, that tells me that some of these growth shares, or so-called growth shares, have certainly come into value territory, should I say. 
and I think that's an interesting dynamic. So if we do get into the point of view, because the market's now pricing in a rate cut by the Fed in 2023, we start looking forward. Yeah, I think you could start doing some nibbling, but but I certainly don't think we've reached bottom yet. I think it's still very dangerous territory. Joan, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for your time. That's Joan Bainham from Sterling Private Wealth, sometimes in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.